0: Welcome to Deadhouse, I am Dylan I am Nathan I have had a somewhat productive week
1: Well, that's good, what are you done?
0: Well, I, I say that, but it's actually just <laughs> watching things and reading okay, things Okay, so not productive so, What
1: productive for the podcast? Well,
0: yeah, I mean, I work full-time, I've, I've got to gotta dedicate some You work some, more than
1: some full-time. time to... you work full-time with two side hustles and a fucking passion
0: <laughs> Yeah, but enjoy what you do and you, you don't don't work, right? Some shit like that. What's the line? <laughs> Enjoy what you do, and you'll never work for a day. There you go. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, no. So I I was reading No Country for Old Men, and mm. I, I finished it. And about two days after I started reading it, the author Cormac McCarthy passed away. Do you think it's your fault? So. Maybe <laughs> cursed him. <laughs> yeah, you finally uh, decide to read his book, and that's the week he dies. Well, I've already read The Road, which always he also wrote and was adapted to a film. But okay. Um, yeah, it was quite sad. So I, I was only a few chapters in when I found that out. So when I was reading the rest of it, I was definitely um, you know not taking it as lightly as I would if I was just reading any
1: old book. Appreciate the book just a little bit more. Yeah, I read it. It's
0: very well written, and um, the film is is very good. It was um, I think it was the Coen brothers who did Fargo yep. and, yep. 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 and yep. Yep. Big Lebowski. I think. Yep, yep, yep. 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 Um, recommend it. We also finished watching Beef. Oh yeah, so
1: I still haven't started it. Yeah,
0: look, it's a it's it's a roller coaster ride of a show because I think there's ten episodes in the season, and I think I said this in one of the other episodes. We got like halfway through the season, and with all the shit that happened in the forty minute time frame, felt like you know the the crux of the season. Yep, and we're halfway through, so it's a weird ending. It wasn't the one we were expecting. I, I don't know if I enjoyed it all that much, but... Oh, okay. So, I was going to say, do you still recommend it or is it... Oh, I still recommend it, yeah. <laughs> okay. the, the show itself was great. Right. But, um, yeah, so that's been my week. Just uh, just reading books and watching TV shows. What yeah, have what yeah. you been up to? Oh, what
1: haven't I been up to? I uh, You brought cool.
0: some caramel slice that Alex made? Yeah,
1: Alex has decided to bake a new thing from a cookbook every week. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. every week I'm going to get fatter. <laughs> I uh, As a job, I use a laser cutter. So, I laser mm-hmm. cut a new little... Dead House yes, thing it's so just dope. to sort of test out some different fonts to laser cut. Should I be up cool. on the Facebook page?
0: Yes, yes, I'll put a picture up.
1: Uh the only thing I watched unrelated to this podcast mm. is I finally watched the movie Of Phantom of the Opera. The two thousand oh, Gerard Butler. Whatever the fuck with Gerard Butler, yeah. Yeah, okay. Cause we me and my partner and her friends and other friends went and saw like the musical. mm it was a couple of months back, yeah, the never theater seen the production, movie. yeah, like the actual theater production, which was like one of the last shows I think it did. Yeah, okay. Um And so I really liked that. Like I'm not a musical guy that much, mm. but at the theater with like the atmosphere when the fucking chandelier comes up and it's like the fucking down, yeah, doom, dun, 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 <laughs> doom. Uh, it's very cool. Yeah, it. Uh, we finally watched the movie like months later. Mm-hmm. I was a little disappointed.
0: Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I if, it's definitely it would definitely be a much more immersive experience if you're there in a theater and you've got like the actors right in front of you, the the music's live.
1: Yeah. I presume I was know. the music live
0: when you saw them. Yeah. was yeah. Like a
1: fucking like orchestra. Type yeah. Cool. Thing. Cool. Yeah. It's a little weird though because it's got Gerard Butler, who's in his thirties. It's mm-hmm. got Patrick Wilson of a uh, couple of horror movie fame, mm-hmm. as in his thirties, and then Emmy Rossum plays. I can't remember her name The main main chip character's name oh. Yeah, it's, it's escaping me Yeah, I watched it literally last week And I can't remember I've seen it once but as a kid she was like 16 when they filmed it oh. Like 16 turning 17 Okay So that's acting's weird You just got 30 year olds making out with 16, 17 yeah. year olds And apparently that's okay
0: Yeah, it's like when we were kids watching Making films. out with 30
1: year olds? What are you talking about here? <laughs>
0: No, it's like when we were kids watching like films or shows that were set in high schools and we'd be like, oh, heck, I do not look like that. But then you realise as you're older, the actors are like 30. I think
1: the biggest thing that I realised that with was when I used to watch Smallville. and oh, okay. Like, yeah. I, I, I found out that in the first episode of Smallville, Tom Welling is like the character's meant to be mm. 14 years old. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you no, got, what, like, that's ridiculous.
0: Ripped 17 year olds yeah. and shit. Like, yeah, like in
1: his... Like early to late twenties, playing fourteen-year-old. Absolutely not.
0: <laughs> anyway, uh, we should probably let the listeners in on what we are discussing today for uh, our, our topic.
1: I'm sure they'll find out on their own. Find uh, found I found that. footage. That, that was, was fucking awful. <laughs> uh, found
0: footage movies. Found footage films. I like the alliteration of this episode. Oh, very nice, yes. Big fan of wordplay. Um, this is, a, I guess, sub-genre, you'd call it, of, of horror that we've been a fan of for a very long time. And uh, it's something that I think is not, like, innately horror, but it's often adopted for for that genre because it's easy to be scared by something yeah. that's that kind well, of horror. Well, I
1: immersive. feel like once you... Because the camera is essentially acting as a tool to put the viewer mm. in the story. It's definitely more and realistic, so- that, yeah, like what else you can do that with? Like, hey, have a romantic comedy where you're the fucking... Like, you're in it? That's <laughs> yeah. kind of terrible. Yeah. Uh,
0: in, in fact, I can't think of a found footage film that's
1: not horror. The only one I can think of thriller. is Hardcore Henry, which is action. Oh, uh, okay, but yeah. But apparently people are thrown up because it's like motion it's, blur. And yeah, like, like vertigo. Yeah, too much moving around for a found footage.
0: I've seen snippets of that and I haven't... I, I can't remember if it's um, that film that they've used or if they just... Uh, drew inspiration from it But there's some music video I can't remember the band But the song's called Bad Motherfucker And it okay. looks like that Where it's the POV Of this like Hitman running away From all these Baddies Through like Parkouring through streets And shit And then He's got this briefcase That keeps getting stolen And he steals it back And then at the end a baby has it Opens it And like disappears inside it Like it's a portal
1: I feel like I zoned out Halfway through that sentence And I That was, that was weird to come back to you. A baby yeah, okay Yeah It's
0: it's uh, a It's a I'll have to look into it and, and find yeah, out who yeah. it was so I can I can pay it forward. But um Yeah.
1: I mean there's also the music video for Smack My Bitch Up by the Prodigy. <laughs> what a <laughs> twist. What a twist ending <laughs> that is.
0: Um but yeah, it's 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 generally something adopted uh in horror and I guess um it's it's for that reason that it, it puts you in their shoes and just makes it all that more terrifying. Mm-hmm. So uh I guess we should probably um talk about sort of what makes it found found footage. So it's not always marketed as found footage. Like oftentimes it's just that handheld style. Yeah.
1: I'd say I'm not a fan when they try to market it as a found footage. Mm. Like it worked well. we'll like get d- into discovered it. Yeah, Like discovered material or something. Yeah, it, like discovered material. Because it, it might have worked well back in the early 2000s with one of the movies we'll talk about, The Blair Witch Project. Mm. Uh, it worked back then because it was new it was like even the internet was new and yeah becoming a a widely distributed thing Mm. whereas these days like everything's fake well also (laughs) you can clearly tell it's going to be fake
0: well off the back of what you just mentioned there is as well uh it's worth mentioning that back in the 90s like it could literally be found footage, like it could be a tape or a disc, whereas Mm. now physical media is less and less common. So it'd be more so like, oh, what's this file on my computer? And it just doesn't have the same ring to it. Yeah, yeah. But um, that's definitely something worth mentioning. And it also gives them the ability to kind of like break the fourth wall without it being like comedic because they could just be like, you know, making a video for someone. So it gives them that liberty to address the camera Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. like they're speaking to the audience member.
1: Yeah, yeah. And uh, on top of that as well, it also gives them that liberty to like direct a scare Mm. at the camera and it's actually in like in the movie, it makes sense because they're actually directing it at the camera. Whereas some other horror movies, if they're blatantly doing a scare just for the viewers, it's like usually really out of place.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And also, uh, there's often no score or soundtrack, in most cases, in, uh, in the found footage genre. So, yeah. it just also makes it more unsettling. I mean, obviously, a lot of the time, a score is there to build tension. So, you get that uh, release when there's a jump scare and everything's silent. But the fact that um, a lot of the time, if you know they're in the dark and something creepy is happening and they're just standing there filming something, staying silent because they don't want whatever's chasing them to hear them, that's just as suspenseful
1: yeah, I mean, if you think about it, if there's a score, you can sort of sometimes tell when it's going to happen because there's a certain mm. rising crescendo, if I'm using that word correctly, yeah, yeah. Uh, of, the, of the score. We're like, okay, it's building to something and you can sort of pinpoint in the score when it's going to stop. Yeah, for Whereas sure. Whereas if there's no score and it's just silent, it could be at any moment.
0: Unless it's a Robert Eggers film. <laughs> there's <laughs> yeah. just chaotic Eggers. strings with nothing <laughs> happening. Uh,
1: and we should probably mention uh,
0: where this first kind of came into play, uh, or at least one of the first kind of
1: renowned examples of this technique. Mm-hmm. Is that Cannibal Holocaust?
0: Yeah, yeah, an Italian film from 1980, if I've researched correctly. Oh,
1: 1980, by director... Uh, what is his name? Ru- oh, fuck, it's Italian. <laughs> Ruggero Deodato. Deodato. That'll do. Yeah, Ruggero <laughs> Deodato, Rugrat himself. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Italian Jockey. director Who'd already made Some cannibal films Previously mm. Can't think of what They're called Were they Unless... fake? <laughs> Were these like Snuff films? Just no no Just yeah, just, re- just regular Like Italian Cannibal okay. Horror films mm. uh, And then He was approached By a studio I can't remember Which studio it was Unfortunately mm. uh, Who wanted him Just to make Another cannibal film And so he thought Alright I'm gonna Make another one But I actually Wanna have a message With this one yeah, So okay. he tried to make it with a message in the movie of creating, like, fake narratives, mm. which is pretty uh, relevant in these days. Yeah. Um, And how the media creates fake narratives to portray the message that they want to show. Yeah, okay. And so the whole movie, it's half-found footage. Mm. It pretty much follows a professor who goes into the Amazon rainforest yeah. in search of a bunch of filmmakers who are making a documentary Uh, And they've gone missing, And they've gone missing. Yeah. And and they were making a documentary on like the untouched tribes of the Amazon rainforest. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the first half movie is this professor that goes and it's made like a normal movie. Mm. You can sort of clearly tell it's a movie. Yeah. Uh, He goes in the forest and then he finds their footage. Yeah. And then he takes it back and shows it to the executives who like sent him there to find it. Yeah. And then that's when the movie kind of transitions to those executives watching this found footage which is sort of made out to be like real found footage. Right, okay. Uh, But then it shows that the sexually assaulting and abusing the natives to try and create this narrative of Mm. like like feuding tribes and like to show how savage the tribes can be. Yeah, okay.
0: Just like misleading the viewers.
1: Yeah, misleading the viewers and then uh, pretty much force them into like... There's a scene where there's a burning hut and there's tribesmen in the hut. Mm. And to film that, he just... Pushed people into a hut and, oh. uh, and like set it on fire Oh Jesus So they were like Drastic safety hazards And stuff yeah. while they were filming They would, would, would have gotten a real reaction though From the actors I mean yeah that's. I guess that's what he was going for But Jesus. it doesn't exactly justify it Oh no And no. especially when There's several scenes in the movies Where they kill animals Yeah And it's yeah. like in Friday the 13th They mm. actually killed the animals Like there's a snake, a tarantula, a boar, a monkey. No, oh, wow. So like, they actually kill those to make the movie.
0: Yeah, shit.
1: And so like, that's that's not okay. Can't no, do that.
0: no. But uh, yeah, I've not seen it, but I, I've read a lot about the controversy of the the film. Yeah, because then he uh, was
1: he was brought up and taken to court. To, yeah, like on obscenity and murder charges. Yeah, wow. Because this was the first use of found footage in any sort of movie, well, widespread movie for that mm. matter. A lot of people thought it was a snuff film. Yeah. And like he'd yeah. actually killed the, the actors in it. Yeah. And he had wow. to prove that they were still alive and how he did the special effects mm. in order to get off those murder charges. But he did still get charged with the obscenity charges.
0: Yeah. That's that's nuts. It's like, uh, well, that's kind of a good segue into, like you mentioned before, one um, <laughs> of the next uh, sort of big found footage style films after that, and probably the earliest renowned one, would be The Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Uh, the, from the, 1999.
1: And the, the one that pretty much created the genre yeah yeah
0: like when when you think found footage this is what what my mind goes to absolutely and um you know it's it's been uh it's been parodied it's been revered it's it's had all sorts of um publicity towards it but um like you were just saying about um the confusion around cannibal holocaust when that came out is this one was literally marketed as found (laughs) footage and even like in the film like in the credits and everything they don't address that it's Fictitious mm-hmm. and um, they
1: even have a, a like a thing at the end where it's like any of them for any information go to like blaywitchproject.com yeah. or some shit.
0: Yeah, so they created a massive amount of hype for this film. Um, and the fact that it's, it's got like an ambiguous budget as, as we discussed before recording, um, I think it was around like 60,000. Is that because <laughs> no, they kind of broke it down into what they put into filming, what they put in editing, yeah. promo, the, whatever. What, the
1: one that I read was. Around 35000 for the actual filming, like the 10-day shoot. Because mm. I think it took 10 days. Something no, like that's that. that's Paranormal Activity. It, was it, it was, was... it was a similar time frame. It wasn't long. Yeah, it wasn't long. Uh, I think the actors got paid like $1,000 a day. Yeah. Uh, so that's where that part of that money went.
0: Uh, it, it made around $250 million. Uh, so it from what I understand, it's, it's the most successful independent film ever.
1: Or one of. It depends how you define most successful.
0: Yeah, I, I guess the turn of profit based on what the budget was. Is that is that
1: how they mm-hmm. determine it? Yeah, there's there's conflicting things though. Yeah. I think it is because of the budget, because paranormal activity I thought was the most success like most profitable. Okay. Because that went from budget of fifteen thousand to grossing hundred and ninety three million. Yeah, okay. So maybe this is just up there. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those two. Mm,
0: because like this found footage handheld style is so accessible like you can make it relatively cheaply and then just market the hell out of it as like real events and create that hype so everyone wants to go see it and then it just explodes at the mm-hmm. box office so it's quite creative really um
1: even if it is very overdone uh today yeah but back back when it was the first one that that would have been great for sure like yeah going into a movie and it's like oh is this real Is this not real Who knows
0: Yeah and I guess uh, To their credit um, It was a smart move To use the actors Real names mm-hmm. um, In the film And uh, It was only the three Characters apart from Like the people that, Like the townsfolk like, They interviewed, interviewed yep. About the Blair Witch myth But uh, yeah, wise choice there And written, directed and edited By Daniel Mirrick and Eduardo Sanchez I mean,
1: that's how you keep the money down Just do everything yourself <laughs> That's
0: right, yeah and, and like I said, when it's something When it's a simple process to a degree Like this Then mm. um, why wouldn't you Have more creative control And uh, the dialogue, I believe, was largely improvised Because I read it was only about a 15-page script
1: Yeah, well, that's that's one of the things I love about This particular found footage movie mm. Is that what do they call that Retro Scripting or something Yes Well yes. yeah they have like a rough uh, Comedy movies do a lot Where they have a rough outline Like of, beats Yeah like got to beats And then naturally The actors have got to like Improvise and find the way mm. But they like Went further than that And they just took the three actors And I think they chose The guy who actually has the camera In the movie Because he had familiarity with camera mm. So he could actually Do it on the fly they gave them rough instructions of where they had to go, mm. and then just sent them into the forest to m- to film the movie.
0: That's the uh, dishwasher cycle ending, <laughs> if that's picked up in the mic. Yeah. yeah, and I also read that they hid like these canisters in the woods with like in- loose instructions of what to do to get to the next clue. Yeah, so they were like guided without the directors actually there, like blocking the scenes out, which is really interesting.
1: I suppose it helped with like the isolation of the actors as well. Like mm. however long it took to actually film it. You've got these just three people who are making a movie about a horror movie. Yeah. Uh, But in in making it, they're also isolated and trapped and Mm. potentially lost in the woods.
0: Definitely, yeah. Subjects them to the same conditions, uh, you know, that I guess fictional characters will be in if you were, yeah, filming a horror And they made, I think, a couple sequels. The only one I've seen was the 2016 one just called Blair Witch. And the main character is, like, the younger brother of Heather. One of the three that went missing in in the OG film.
1: I'm imagining it wasn't good.
0: It was not good. I've only (laughs) seen it twice. And uh, I rewatched it again somewhat recently because it came up as, like, suggested film on Netflix or something. And the only, like cool thing they did differently in this um, or at least the most memorable part for me was when they find like the stick figures like you find hanging in the trees in the original Um, but out of frustration one of the characters like grabs one down that looks like one of the chicks that's with them because it has like a piece of her hair Mm -hmm. or her clothing in it or something snaps it in half over her knee but then that chick actually snaps in half (laughs) in real life. a bit of voodoo going on Yeah that was pretty badass but other than that it was pretty bad.
1: I mean it it doesn't beat the scene in the in the first movie where they find that package after one of them goes missing oh. and he opens it up and it's like human teeth and yeah. blood in there.
0: That was that's gnarly. chilly. Yeah. yeah. And they, a-
1: they were real human teeth, too. They got them off a dentist. Oh, gross. It's it's um it's kind of a steady
0: build up to the finale in this film because you've got those things like those eerie stick figures hanging in the trees and um like the little rock piles and you hear like people talking or running around or footsteps and twigs breaking when they're sleeping and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, that like bundle of sticks with the teeth and the bloodied shirt outside the tent is definitely the the creepiest one for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I mean, even just like the experience, like they're hiking through the woods in the rain, in the dark (laughs) at some points, like it'd just be miserable even to just like act and like to go through the woods to like make this film. Sounds like shooting evil dead. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it was like set in Maryland where they actually shot it um, over a week in 1994. And yeah, it's marketed as being like tapes that were found in the woods a year after these three go missing, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, yeah, and there's there are three students making a documentary about that Blair Witch myth that is not a real folk Yeah, tale. no, I'm it's, pretty sure I, they completely made it up for yeah, the movie. It's um, convincing though. Oh, yeah. And uh, they use I think, two cameras. I think there's a black and white film camera and a color cassette tape handy cam.
1: I believe you rewatched it more recently than I did. So I can't tell you, Yeah, but I'm pretty sure. Cause there's one they actually are using to make the documentary. Yeah. And then one just for the one, just to
0: yeah. just document themselves, I guess. Sure. And uh, it's quite raw. Like I know this was the nineties, but like it's, it's grainy, um, very like poor quality. Uh, and you can hear like the handling sounds like the muffled mm. mic and stuff, but also like you can hear like a plane going overhead at one point, <laughs> And, um, because it's uh, like some points they're generally, like they're genuinely scared. So mm. when, you know, they're running or they're talking, the camera's like not shooting who they're talking to because they're distracted. Like it just makes it all that more real and uh, compelling. And I like that it's kind of uh, like clean cut together without any transitions or any sense of a timeline. So it's like all these different tapes were found and just put together in editing to present it as like a found footage film. Mm-hmm. So you don't really know like what day it is or it is, you know, what time of the day it is. And um, yeah, that just makes it all the more like isolated, I guess. Um, and makes you feel really lost. Uh, and one thing I also thought was really smart that they did to get like a visceral reaction of the actors was uh, one of the nights when they're sleeping and they hear like kids talking or laughing or something, and then the <laughs> tent shakes violently. And then they no, get up kids and are trying to get us. <laughs> Um yeah, and the tent like shakes violently and they run them through the woods and they're like, What the fuck is that? And they're like <laughs> you pointing at something off camera and they keep running in the night. Um that was unscripted. Yeah. So the filmmakers just like did that to scare the shit out of them. And when Heather is like pointing to the thing, saying, What is that? It's like the art director in an like an all-white Long John's like onesie. Fuck? Okay. Um standing in the trees. So they definitely had a bit of fun with it to get that um that response that they were looking for. Uh and I just, I just love that ending where like um, when they're interviewing the townsfolk and there's that rumored house where the witch lives and they make one kid like face the corner while they kill the other one because she doesn't like people to look at her. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's 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 rumor that if you look in her eyes, then you know, you're next kind of thing. And um, when Josh goes missing, the dude that, Uh, you know they insinuate it's his teeth outside the tent they hear him screaming I think that night and they follow his voice Mm. to the house and there's like the bloodied handprints on the wall which is creepy and um, yeah they like go up and down the stairs like you hear his voice on the top level go up there all of a sudden he's on the bottom level and Heather eventually gets to this room where Mike's like facing the corner and then the camera gets knocked down and that's it
1: yeah, kind of an anticlimactic ending in a yeah. way. Like you'd you'd expect more to happen, but it's and I think it gets a lot of flack and shit for it. Mm. For it's, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's not that scary. It's just a guy standing in a corner." But it's like it's creepy. Yeah, I, I mean, like it.
0: I love that you don't see the witch.
1: That's yeah, that's definitely my favorite thing about it because I think mm. they ruin that in the in the one you watched. Oh
0: the yeah, they show it as like that typical like long limbed, uh, <laughs> naked looking old lady thing, and it's just it's so bad. But yeah, um, yeah I. Definitely leaving it to your imagination is way scarier, and I like that there's conflicting reports of what she looks like from the interviewees. So oh, yeah. it's just kind of like Chinese whispers over the years. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Very cool. Um, yeah, I still love that film. I mean, it's 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 dated visually, but it's it it's still as scary as when I first watched it, and it would would still make me think <laughs> twice about camping.
1: Yeah, like, imagine imagine going camping and they're just like, "All right, guys, let's have a little fun. Let's watch the Blair Witch Project while oh, we camp." Fuck. That'd
0: no. be it'd be a, a good um, test of will. I think. Oh, yeah.
1: I didn't like it the first time I watched it because a it was an all-nighter and we were just kind of making fun of everything. Yeah. Uh I was also at that stage where, like, it was cool to not be scared mm. by stuff and was like, "Oh, this is not scary." Oh, blah, 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 blah. As I got older, yeah. I was like, "You know what? This is actually good."
0: Yeah. Not yeah.
1: not anywhere near one of my favorite movies, but I do appreciate no. it.
0: Yeah. It's um yeah it's probably not even my favorite like found footage film but it's uh it's still like iconic in its own right.
1: I mean it it literally spawned a whole subgenre. Yeah. So
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh I suppose we should move on and talk about another one you mentioned uh, at the start of this episode, Paranormal Activity Paranormal 2007.
1: I'm, yeah, another one that 2007, so how many how many years later was that? 8 years later. 8 years, so yeah. I think there'd been a bunch of copycat Movies Mm. that were found footage Trying to just like Ride the coattails of Blair Witch But did terribly Because they just They think Oh all you have to do is Give the actors a camera And Mm. make something scary But a lot of them just fell flat On their fucking asses
0: Also because they would be Comparing everything after this To Blair Witch
1: Yeah Yeah And then Paranormal Activity comes around director was it oren pelly
0: oren pelly yeah he uh wrote directed it and edited it so i guess it's just a common trend in this subgenre where whoever's um directing it just kind of takes full creative control to make yep. it as as simple and cohesive as possible
1: and then talk about cheap the budget for this one like yeah. the original film budget fifteen thousand
0: fifteen thousand dollars and i believe Three of they, which went for the camera yeah and I, I think they filmed it in the director's house yep so yep. they wouldn't have even had to to rent out sets um, or anything like that. And I think it was 215000 went towards the post-production um, and a bunch of marketing and stuff. So it made $193 million at the box office, like I believe you said before, and spawned six sequels. So this one definitely became...
1: Uh, uh, the most recent one came out this year, didn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah. Was it like a straight-to-Netflix kind of thing? or It might
1: have been. I think there was a cabin in the woods somewhere.
0: Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, definitely... Definitely spawn a hell of a franchise. Um, I would I would say the first three are good.
1: I've only seen the first one. Okay. So I I, I rewatched because I again it was I watched the first one years and years and years ago, mm. and it was the same thing where oh this is not scary. Yeah. Uh, well,
0: you're not a big fan of like haunted house films. Yeah. As it
1: is. Not not a big fan of just ghost movies. Yeah. Although this isn't a ghost; it's a demon. Mm. Um, but I rewatched it this morning actually. Yeah. And Again, still not my favorite, but I, especially for fifteen thousand dollars, mm. I can very much appreciate this.
0: Yeah, yeah, and it's um, it's a little different than, than Blair Witch. Well, very different because um, they're I- even in the the film and the story, they're inexperienced filmmakers. So whereas in Blair Witch, mm. they're film students, so they kind of know about like composition and um, framing and stuff. So like in this one, like. Subjects are often unfocused. Um, the framing's all off because they don't really know how to use a camera and things like that. And it just makes that all the more real because I, I guess in a nutshell, the story is that um, there's this like couple in this house who have been having these strange occurrences as an- of a night. So um, the boyfriend, Mika, like buys this camera to prop it up on a tripod in their bedroom while they sleep to try mm-hmm. and document some stuff. So um, a lot of the action sequences are actually single shots and often static like they'll be on a tripod or a, a countertop yep. or something so it's yeah definitely shot shot differently and i guess uh portrayed differently to mm-hmm. to a lot of found footage films
1: i could see why a lot of people would uh, find this scary the Blair witch because like if you look at Blair witch it's uh three like i don't know if they're in college or whatever like mm. aspiring filmmakers who go out into the forest in chasing a myth and, yeah you know get killed Whereas this, it's just a couple living in a house trying to go about their everyday lives and then it's like they're just put into this situation. Yeah. And it makes it somewhat more realistic and you, a lot of people can like, they know what that's like. Mm. If they've had any sort of ghostly yeah. occurrences or anything like that in their house, yeah. you know, they can put themselves in the shoes a lot easier.
0: I think that also makes it scarier because it's like, it's a demon in your house. Like it's that's as... Close to home as it gets. <laughs> it is home. And um, this, like, I remember when this came out, it blew up, something fierce, and uh, it was picked up by Jason Bloom and Steven Spielberg, uh, or at least noticed by them, which is obviously a big leg up.
1: Yeah. Well, Jason Bloom is the one who produced it. Yeah. Like, got the production that because he'd already started Bloomhouse, mm. but this is the movie that like created their, I guess, current model of just make lots of low budget horror mm. movies give creative control mostly to the directors yeah and then I think the average budget for a Bloomhouse horror movie is like 3 to 5 million yeah and he, he said they calculated that based on if it completely flops and doesn't get a wide release then yeah. they can still recuperate that yeah and so he's just happy to you know put out lots of movies that are 3 to 5 million dollars and mm. occasionally get a paranormal activity that'll just fucking skyrocket and make 193 million dollars
0: I remember um, there was even one of the sequels like One is this couple. Two is, uh, I think, set, like, immediately after the first one. And it's Katie, the, like, possessed chick from the first one, going to her sister's house. And then three is her and her sister as young girls. Okay, so like a a prequel. Yeah, so the first three, I would say, are worth a watch. But I've seen, I think, one of the later ones, and I don't remember it that well at all. Um, I think the story gets a bit wayward after that. But... um, this, I believe, weirdly enough, was um, picked up by DreamWorks and they intended to remake it with the original film that Oren Pally made as a bonus on the DVD oh, like yeah. home release. Yeah, which is kind of strange. And they also, um, I think, have three different endings. and The one that they, they opt for in the final cut is Katie, I think, does that weird sleepwalking thing she does, goes downstairs, screams. Mika wakes up, runs down there. He screams and then all of a sudden he gets like, there's like silent. thrown at the camera. It's like
1: silent, and then you hear her, w- hear someone walk yeah. upstairs. It's her, and he throws him at the camera. Yeah. And then she uh, just lunges at the camera. At the I'm end. not a fan of that ending. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan like of it, it either. Apparently, they had an original ending, and then Steven Spielberg, like you said before, is mm. the one who told him to change it. Like, hey, I think maybe you should change the ending. This one doesn't really, I don't know, not suit the movie, but mm. people won't really like it that much. Yeah. They took his advice, and that's when they gave him more money to go and film a different ending yeah another thing that i think detracts from the experience
0: is the like opening card thanks the families of the actors and the san diego police department like it's footage that's been pulled from evidence or something but then the end card of the film says characters and events are fictitious (laughs) so it's completely undoes the entire film whereas Blair witch project like from start to finish like treats it like it's legit
1: well i don't remember what it was like when this came out because mm. how old were we, like, fucking 10. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if people believed this one as much as they did Blair Witch. No. Or as no. people pretty much knew it was, it was, you know, fa- fake found footage movie.
0: Mm. I mean, this was probably, like, in the early YouTube era when people were, like you said, were uploading videos of mm. weird stuff happening in their own homes. So it might have been believable enough at the time. But um, what I like about this, too, uh, in, in contrast to the Blair Witch Project is they have like the timestamp in the corner of the the footage and you get like the title cards for what number night it is. So it's easier to track the timeline. Um, And I think that kind of helps uh, build that suspense. So it's like, oh, this is night 15. Something worse is going to happen. This is night 20. This is going to be even worse again. So it like helps to build up that tension visually.
1: And I do like how, yeah, it's all escalating. Like it'll go from the first couple of nights, there's a breeze... Mm. Or like the door like footsteps slightly close or open the footsteps. But then you start getting like loud bangs, things moving, mm. like shadows. Yanked out uh, of bed. <laughs> yeah, then, then it yeah, culminates in like getting literally yanked out of bed. Fucking
0: terrifying. <clears throat> Um, I remember I had trouble sleeping after first seeing this, um, <laughs> but when I rewatched it for this episode of the pod, I slept like a baby. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I watched it this morning in broad daylight, so I think I'll be fine. But uh, yeah. Alex refused to watch it, though. Yeah. She, she stayed in the room and watched something else. Well, you
0: had some questionable experiences the first night you moved into that now, so I don't blame her.
1: Yeah, but nothing since then, unfortunately.
0: And what I like it, story-wise in this film is um, they say that like Katie was haunted by this entity since she was eight years old and Mm -hmm. it's kind of just followed her from house to house and then her boyfriend Mika does some like deep diving on the internet and finds this woman in the 60s that had like identical experiences and that's when they start thinking like oh okay maybe it's not like the ghost of a dead person maybe there's like this demonic Entity that's like trying to possess you And it's latched onto you or
1: whatever yeah. Well, that's after the the psychic ghost guy Already told me it was a demon Ah, oh, the medium, yeah, yeah. The psychic ghost guy the Psychic ghost guy So disrespectful well, okay <laughs> It's a profession, Nathan yeah. Well, I, I do like how he was portrayed in this movie of Yeah Like, he wasn't portrayed as a charlatan Or he wasn't portrayed as this over-the-top mm. Ghosts are real He was he, It he quite a matter-of-fact He seemed like a, like a professor or something And yeah. I mean, I suppose a lot of, like, real-life People who have that profession uh, posit themselves as professional, like yeah. professors and stuff, like
0: a demonologist or something. Yeah, a demonologist. Even P- that sounds, sounds like
1: they have a you know science degree. Yeah. Um, and he's very, yeah, he's very matter of fact. He's very respectful. He's even he's like, look, I think at the start of the movie, he says, yeah, a lot of this time, it, a lot of the time, we're gonna find out that it's nothing. It's mm. like, it's explainable. Yeah, Mika, and then, and then he immediately says, oh no, it's a demon.
0: Yeah, Mika treats him. Like, shit. But he's just not a likable character because he starts, like, provoking it and everything and insulting it. And he's, like, rude to her as yeah, well. Yeah, he,
1: oh, he's, he's He just so doesn't take unlike. it seriously. He's a terrible boyfriend. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> um, there's a couple cool things in it, though. Like, when the Ouija board, like, spells out a name then catches fire. Mm-hmm. That was kind of cool. And one thing I liked but also didn't like was when they spread the, the baby powder in, like, the, the doorways and yep. then... Like you get the footprints. That's cool, but I hate that it's like a fucking big three-toed <laughs> looking.
1: Well, like you don't know what feet footprint. a demon has.
0: I know, but like that's almost as cringe as giving it like cloven feet in the in the powder. You know what I mean? Like it's <laughs> that would have been
1: even better. It just reminds, I would have liked just that mind, more Did your actually. parents ever? Like, on Christmas, put out, like, powder oh, like over the next Santa's morning, boots. you come. No, like, reindeer. Oh, yeah, uh, actually, it was Santa's boots. Santa's, no. Well, Santa's boots and, like, reindeer footprints.
0: They might have. I, I remember maybe, you know, like, the cookies and milk or the half-eaten yeah. carrots for the reindeer or something, but I don't think we ever did, like, the snow boot prints. Yeah, okay.
1: Yeah, so, yeah, it's... it's um. I, I do want to say, as well, the most iconic, like, I guess, shot from that movie mm. is the night. Cam where it's It's set up Looking at them in bed But then it's showing down The open hallway Yeah That's gotta be like The creepiest Shot In any Almost any horror movie Cause it's mm. There's just something about A dark hallway now. I know Why are Especially, they sleeping With the
0: door open Why there?
1: the fuck do you sleep Well I mean I sleep With my door open Cause we have cats Yeah But they don't have cats Why are they sleeping With their door open They've already got a haunting Going on Yeah, yeah. And they're facing Away from the door Like you always set up Your bed Facing the door Yeah <laughs> It's just human nature.
0: Well, unless that was deliberate because they had a camera. So maybe they wanted the door open so they could see if anything happened outside of the room. But yeah, creepy.
1: Yeah. I also if I was having actual ghostly occurrences in my house, like mm. proper ones, I don't think I'd want to set up a camera. Yeah. Because as soon as you catch something on camera and you see that it's real. Yeah. Fuck that. You, you want not, that you want that plausible deniability. I, I want the plausible deniability. At the moment, because it's a running joke. At my house Anytime like the cat Will look in the doorway Or something They'll just stand there I'm like what's going on Monty You just You're looking at the ghosts? <laughs> Hi Mr. Ghost
0: oh, We had a cat Zephyr that used to do that He would just stare at a wall Like yeah. Blair Witch style And oh, Creepy I suppose uh, We should also mention um, Cloverfield Which came out in 2008 I didn't love this film But it was big and a lot of people talked about it. So this also came out around that sort of mid to late 2000s resurgence of the found footage style. And they made two sequels. I've I've not seen either, but you said 10 Clovefield Lane was worth a watch.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, the first one is found footage and the other two are not. Right. Uh, it's uh, Yeah, because the first movie is a found footage on like the ground of New York City, I think, mm. where there's this giant interdimensional monster that just appears and wreaks havoc on the city. Yeah. And so it puts the camera in the perspective of just like, almost like a, like, like a terrorist attack survivor. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Actually, probably maybe they'll go on for that. Mm. Uh, but then the sequel 10 Cloverfield lane is not found footage. It's like way better production value. Uh, and it's just an isolation mm. movie where it's three people that are in a bunker.
0: Kind of becomes like jo- a quiet place. Part two.
1: Yeah, it's just got you know, just John Goodman, Mary Elizabeth Winstead and the guy, I cannot remember, <laughs> uh, just in this like, they're underground in a bunker and a lot of the horror or s- scares comes from just the dynamic of the isolation and mm. things slowly starting to get sinister with John Goodman. Yeah, okay. I don't remember too much. The only sort of scenes I remember was when they're like in the subway tunnels mm. and it's like dark and then they start getting chased. And then the other one, which I love for some reason, is when one of the chiefs gets bitten by one.
0: Oh, at the military base? At the military base. And then
1: it's so sudden. Like, Mm. she's sort of fine. And then all of a sudden, she's like, starts bleeding from her eyes. Yeah. And she's like, hey, I don't feel so good. And then all the military guys just like, fuck, like go into action, literally drag her away behind a sheet and she just explodes. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's so sudden. You don't expect that to just Mm. out of the blue happen to one of the main characters. That
0: was cool. I'll give it that. Uh, Moving on. Uh, and, you know, a few years later now is uh, one of your favourite modern horrors, I would say
1: Yeah, this one almost made it into, into my top five horror movies mm, I was which, expecting it to Which I realised, actually today, it's barely a horror Like, it's it's yeah. a psychological th- horror, thriller Yeah uh, I'd still call it in the horror genre, but it's Creep 2014 2014's Creep They uh, made a sequel that I've not seen I have it's, it's, it's all right. It's nowhere near as good as the first one, but it, it, uh, is it the same guy? Like the creepy guy? Yeah. Yeah. Same guy played. Uh, so the, m- the movie creep is written and directed by, uh, Mike Duplass and Patrick Bryce. So they're the two. Yeah. So it's only got two actors in the movie and the two actors are the writer and director. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then he comes back in the second movie as well. Okay. Um, this yeah, was one another Blumhouse oh, movie as well. Like, yeah. Produced yeah. by Bloomhouse. Yeah.
0: Like, It Follows, this is another one that you suggested to me um, and I watched and I loved. And I watched it again um, yesterday in preparation for this pod and it's so fucking good, man. Yeah. Knowing that, like, a lot of it is improvised as well. Um, it's, yeah, it's awesome acting uh, on their part.
1: Yeah. So, the for those of you who don't know, because a lot of the other ones we've talked about are pretty well known, the story behind this one is... Uh, there's a guy who just does, like, videography, like, makes videos for a living, puts up Craigslist ads. Yeah. And then he just answers an ad to videotape this guy for a day who says he has cancer, I think it is. He's dying from cancer.
0: Yeah, he, he says he's a cancer survivor, but then um, after feeling dizzy, he, like, saw a doctor and found out he's got, like, a terminal bloody yeah. brain tumor. And so
1: he wants to, like, make this last video for his future son. Yeah. Uh, just Just to show what he's like. I Won't spoil it just yet, but if you haven't seen it, I would go watch it mm. before we go any further here. Yeah, um, and then yeah, then it just devolves. It just gets creepier and creepier. You start to find out that he's not exactly
0: who he says he is. Essentially, becomes like a like a sociopathic stalker.
1: Yeah, I mean, from I just I love that from the first moment you meet him because he's driving out into this like into this like remote part of the woods essentially, to get to the house and then he rocks up at the at the drive of the house gets out of the car and the guys joseph's standing there with an axe
0: uh but just just to creep him out i think there's an axe there like buried in a tree stump but later in the film you find out he was around like taking photos of him Mm. secretly
1: well yeah because he says hey when we first saw you thought i'd kill you with that axe didn't you (laughs) i liked that and it's just the dynamic between the two because Mm. in the movie they're two complete strangers Uh, But the way Joseph is played is that he's this super overly charismatic, but to a creepy degree. Yeah. Like too friendly. Like he's too friendly. He's always making eye contact Mm. and he's like, Like we've got to hug it out. Yeah. Like we're going to go on a journey today. We're going to get weird. Yeah. Like come and video me while I'm having a bath time for my child. (laughs) Oh, and that's the, like, that's the first like thing he does
0: in his day is like, yeah. Like they high five, he's like all right. I'll be getting the tub. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what well, uh, the dude walks upstairs, he's like halfway pulling down his pants. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're not getting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. So it's like a lot of the. It's not a. It's not a scary movie, mm. but it's creepy and the. Oh, it's disturbing. When I, Hella disturbing. The reason I watched this movie, I was I used to work overnights at um, a certain fast food establishment, and one of the, <laughs> the overnight I was working with. We just got to chat and he's like, hey, if, if you want to see, like, a creepy movie, yeah. like, just something that just is creepy, like, watch this movie. Mm. It's
0: it's in the name and I could not think of a better word to describe this film.
1: Yeah, and it's, like, it's not supernatural. It's not otherworldly. It's not mm. anything like that. It's just it's just how creepy can a regular guy be?
0: Yeah, yeah. And I also like, um, because a lot of the script was improvised, it led to a lot of... Of the scenes having multiple versions And I think they were filming it with, like, friends of theirs And they would, like, show the different cuts to their friends And ask them which one was, like, the best
1: Yeah, and I think I read, too, that they didn't initially set it out to be a straight-up horror No They sort of wanted no. it to be, horror, like, comedy
0: Yeah, initially it was, like, a dark humour
1: Yeah, and then just from their friends' reactions They started to gear more towards just straight horror mm Still, still with obviously humorous elements. Yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah, it's beautiful. And I couldn't find any sort of budget for this movie because yeah, it was very because um, it was, was so low budget, and it was just two guys essentially that made it.
0: It'd be very minimal. But I did read that um, uh, the director Patrick Bryce, who plays Aaron, sold it to Netflix for a seven-figure sum. <laughs> Jesus. So they've done well.
1: Yeah, because I think I think that's when they made the second one.
0: Yeah, and I think surprisingly, this was rated R in America. I assume it's because of the sexual innuendo, but because uh, there's no gore,
1: there's only, no no there's, violence. There's only one bit of like gore slash death. There's no nudity per se. Mm. It's not even really, like, swearing. It's just creepy. Yeah, so I just found that very There's unusual. the whole peach fuzz stuff yeah. where he, like, puts on that creepy wolf mask mm. and he's, like, gyrating on a door. Yeah. That's... that's again, disturbing. I've said creepy too many times, but it's... it's like I good, said, it's... It's a good description.
0: It is the epitome of creepy, this fucking film. I like that it's two characters, one camera, so you can absorb, a, uh, like, Joseph's body language better um, because, like you said, he's very, like, invasive of personal space. Mm-hmm. And, um, very, like overly charismatic and it's all in the eyes and the smile <laughs> and constantly hugging him but he also like constantly scares him he'll be like turning around a corner just jumps out and goes "Bah!" yeah yep. and i like the very first scene like when he gets back to his car from the driveway just like immediate jump scare to start <laughs> the film it's like fuck me yeah and i then, forgot about that and it got me the second time and then
1: i'm gonna spoil the ending so if you haven't seen it i don't know skip ahead a couple skip of ahead like, the 20- a few seconds, of seconds now it's just like this super Static long shot of Mm. the guy sitting by lake on a bench And then you see Joseph walking up Because the camera is on the
0: dash of his car
1: Yeah, and it just takes forever to pan out And he's just walking up behind him And then he just fucking brings an axe down on his head Yeah And it just looks so realistic And that sound Oh, yeah, it was a good thunk
0: Yeah That reminded me of um, the kill of uh, Jared Leto in American Psycho (laughs) (laughs) Okay, yeah Um but yeah, this whole peach fuzz thing... And by the way, uh, that's one of my nicknames for Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot is, that yeah. I probably got it from this film. Um, yeah, it's like this creepy wolf mask that he puts on throughout the film. And it's just... It, it, the wolf... I like the wolf metaphor because he even says it like blatantly um, in dialogue. Is like, he loves wolves because... They love so much but don't know how to express it, so they often cure what they love. Yeah. And it's just this good, like, metaphor for this attachment that he's created. And a lot of, like, long, awkward silences. That shot where they're going back to his place at night, like, looking up the stairs, mm-hmm. and you just see his silhouette in front of the light. Like, yep. I think that became the cover as well. Like, yeah, that was just a beautiful shot, um, given that it's just kind of a handheld camera as well.
1: Um, I will say about the sequel... I've just thought about it then. Mm. I, I like how, so in the first movie, it's he's definitely got this persona on of there's something wrong about him, but he's yeah. got this story and he's sticking to it. Uh, pretty much from the get-go, in the sequel, he doesn't have that persona. Like mm. he's, the movie is pretty much set on, he's admitting to this main character who's a woman right. that he is a serial killer. Oh, okay. And so the whole movie, he's saying, this is what I am, but mm. she doesn't believe him. Well, and that's where like the core like story of the movie comes from.
0: So it becomes like a joke. It's
1: kind of of like you said when
0: he straight up says, "I bet when you saw that axe, you thought I was going to kill you with it."
1: And like because so she's this like. I don't know, butling. She, she has like a YouTube channel, I think, and she oh, goes okay. on Craigslist to find weird people. Okay. And so he's a weird person that he find that she finds on Craigslist. Mm. And so he's saying, I'm a serial killer, you know, I kill people and she doesn't believe him. She just thinks he's a weird guy. Yeah. So throughout the movie, he's almost trying to convince her that he is, mm. but she still doesn't believe him.
0: Yeah, wow. That's cool. I, I, I might have to give it a go. But this is probably my favorite um, found footage style mm-hmm. film, mm-hmm. and um, and that final shot, man, like when he's on the phone and you mm-hmm. see the the inside of the cupboard, when he like sends all these creepy DVDs to to Aaron, and then you find out he was just like one out of like a hundred. <laughs> yep, so good, so perfect. Moving on, another found footage style film. Uh, that I had a friend suggest to me years ago, and it just took me too long to get around to seeing it was "As Above, So Below," which was also 2014.
1: Also, the title of your mixtape.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> so I've got a, I've got um, an EP dropping later this year um, called "So Below," which is an accompaniment to my EP "As Above," um, that you can find on all streaming services <laughs> under the name Amity. Just a cheeky plug. Just a humble, humble brag. Um, this was written and directed by John Eric dowdell so again, a, a, another filmmaker with um, you know full creative vision from start to finish, which I love to see. Uh, a budget of five million dollars and made forty two million at the at the box office, give or take. So, yeah, so
1: this is getting into the more like it's still like in terms of Bloomhouse, mm. like low budget, but in terms of movie making, still not that much. See. I don't know why I put off watching
0: this for so long, because um, I had only really heard of it from this friend. I haven't heard much talk about it, and it's actually got a 28% Tomatometer rating on Rotten Tomatoes. So, a lot of people hate this, but I loved it. Yeah. What What did you think?
1: I am in the exact same boat. I had only heard about it from you, yeah. even though you hadn't seen it. You yeah. just said that someone recommended it to you. Yeah. So, I watched it on i want to say it's on netflix yeah yeah i didn't know what to expect to in because mm. so all i knew was that it's found footage i knew it was set in the crypts underneath like in the catacombs under france yeah and so i thought it was like a like almost like a zombie movie mm. like they're just there's something down there it was with like creatures thing. like the descent like or creatures something. yeah and then it turns into this like literal hellish like journey yeah and it's it really caught me off guard.
0: Cuz I mean obviously the title refers to like being underground, but also like as above so below is that arcane meaning. Yeah. Um, it's, it's got a biblical like yin yang kind of it's got biblical a biblical meaning. meaning which I don't know.
1: Yeah. They say it in the film.
0: It, it, well, I guess to put it simply, the premise is like these archaeologists that go into the the French catacombs looking for this hidden treasure that the main chick's, like, father, I think, uh,
1: like... Spent his life searching for?
0: Yeah, yeah. And she, she reckons there's this, like, hidden vault um, in these tunnels and they find these, like, um, local... Uh, I don't know what Sol- you call them, Like, local... Spelunking. Like to call, <laughs> I like to call
1: them a spelunking anarchists. Yeah. I'd say would be the best description. Yeah,
0: the, these local anarchists that go down there to try and find this room together. And it, it, essentially, they, they find this passageway in the tunnels that becomes a, a portal to help.
1: Yeah. And And,
0: uh, I was not expecting that when I watched it, and it's sick. (laughs) Yeah, and
1: I mean, I didn't even fully get it until, like, later in the movie. Because the first sign you get that something's wrong is that they go down there, a tunnel collapses, and then they end up back where they just were. Yeah, because they've got two options to go. They can go crawl over these, like, human bones. Yeah, Uh, literal bones in the catacombs, by the way. And then, and like, the main... Anarchist whose name's Papillon, which yeah. means butterfly in French. Yeah. Uh tells them no that's the way to go. Because the other way that's blocked off already, like you don't go that way, it's cursed essentially. Mm-hmm. And so they Because they, they had
0: a friend that used to go down mm-hmm. there all the time, right? And he went in that tunnel, and they never saw him again.
1: Yeah. La Pau, La Tau, so. La Taup, which le, is le the mole. <laughs> oh shit, there we go. We speak French. Omelette du fromage. We oui, weep. Oui. <laughs> um so they go they go the bones way, and then it collapses. And then they end up back where they just were. And so mm. they're forced to go the cursed way. Mm. I and mean, that's... I was confused. It's and a big mindfuck, Yeah, film. it's like all of a sudden... Because oh, I was expecting this just set-in-real-life creature movie. Yeah. Well, it, it literally was filmed
0: got, in the French catacombs.
1: And Yeah, I love that. It was the first movie, I think, that was allowed to, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, I think it was the first film to get permission from the
1: French government. That's exactly what I just said, but in different words. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Uh, yeah, and so... All of a sudden, you've got this mind-bending, what's going on? And then you start to get really weird stuff. Like, there's a piano in the catacombs.
0: Oh, that was cool. Because one... it, it was like his childhood piano mm. with the bung note.
1: He starts talking about, yeah, like, hey, we used to have a piano like this. We used to play this song, except it had a bung note for, like, C sharp, whatever the fuck. And then he plays a- A4. it. A4. And that's... Okay, fuck it. <laughs> uh, and then he plays it, and, that's... and it's the same piano. And he's like, what the fuck is going on? Yeah. And then it just gets weirder and weirder. I won't... I won't spoil any of the movie because everyone it, should watch it. But it's, I don't know if you knew what it's about, but it's about Dante's Inferno. Ah, uh, yeah. The book yeah, from nice. that guy.
0: I've always wanted to read that, but it's written like a play. So it'd be hard to kind of digest.
1: Yeah. Well, it's about a man named Dante who <laughs> <laughs> goes to an Inferno. No, who I think it's to get back his love or something, has to go through the seven circles of hell. Mm. Uh, and yeah. That's this movie. It's yeah, cool. A lot, of, a lot of parallels. They have like seven distinct sort of chambers that they go through, each one representing a circle of hell. Like mm. there's uh, purgatory is the first one, I think, and that's where they find Le dope
0: Yeah, yeah. And it's which pur- like,
1: how is he alive? Like no one questions how he's survived because they he, say he's been okay. missing for like a he's, year. He's not. Well, yeah, because it's that's purgatory. Yeah, okay. He's fair. been missing and he's been his soul has been wandering that. He's purgatory. in limbo. He is in limbo, mm. and then there's like greed, which is where they find the treasure. Mm. And so, when they try to take the treasure, that activates a trap.
0: Oh, with the Philosopher's Stone, which
1: my brain just get out of Harry Potter. Oh, yeah, yeah, it did unfortunately. Yeah, because the, the treasure that the main character's after is mm. the Philosopher's Stone.
0: I do like that kind of parallel to blue Witch Project, where because they've got a map and that's what they're relying on because they don't have cell phones or GPS or anything, um, and they lose the map. Well, well, one of the guys like kicks it in the creek, yeah. and they end up going in circles. Um, they like recognize the same trees. In this, the same thing happens, but it's like supernatural.
1: Yeah, like their essentially map is their guide, Papillon. Mm. But when it starts not making sense to him, he's like, "No, no, this doesn't make sense. Mm. This is meant to be straight. This doesn't go through here." Yeah, and so even he and it it sets up sets up a nice like distrust between these Americans who I don't know this Frenchman who's mm. apparently telling him he's never been down there, but he's got his tag sprayed up on the wall. So they're like, Hey, yeah. real, real funny. You're fucking with us. And he's like, no, I swear to God, I'm not fucking, fucking with you guys. Mm.
0: That was nice. This is yeah. also um, talking about the way it was shot. I like the, it's kind of an objective third person because there's this character, Benji, who's kind of like making a documentary on the main chicks search mm-hmm. for this room. So, um, even though when they're in the catacombs, they all have these like, um, these like head cams, like with the, with the lights, but he's got like a proper film camera. So a lot of the time, cause he's documenting other people that are like getting excited about things or finding ways out. It's quite steady. Um, and like smooth flowing, which is a bit different to some of these other films we've spoken about. And um, I like you get like the lens flare and the mic handling sounds. It's just all that more real um, without being as raw and grainy as like Blue Witch.
1: Yeah. Well, something that caught me off guard as well about this movie and some of the one another reason why I love it so much is a lot of those other found footage movies posit Mm. themselves to be found footage like this was real. Yeah. This movie doesn't really take that approach. Like, it's filmed in the style of found footage, but it's not blatantly saying this happened in real life. Yeah, it, it's they it, say they, they're, in the they, film, they're just using that style yeah. as a way to make the like
0: tell the story because they never present it um, as a documentary.
1: Yeah. And I think it works very much to its own credit in this movie because it just adds to the claustrophobia. Yeah, for sure. Because it puts you in the cave there with them, surrounded by these thin walls. Absolutely. uh, Like narrow walls.
0: Also, the stakes are raised like constantly because even in the first scene, like they talk about how, like we just said in the past, they talk about how there's like the death penalty and like if they get found by like the military or whoever in those tunnels, like they will kill them um and then there's explosions which raises the stakes um and then like yeah when they start going through the wrong way in those catacombs and like the passageways seal shut or um your people start dying like it's just constantly getting more and more uh tense and fucked up and uh i love the it kind of becomes like an escape room cuz like they have like egyptian riddles and like yeah. pull this rock out and this secret room opens um it gets pretty gnarly and it had
1: real national treasure vibes to it
0: <laughs> yeah yeah and i like near the end when she has to like go back for that uh, or not for the stone but to put R- it back yeah like return. in the wall yeah it's like speed running a survival <laughs> horror game
1: She just like just fucking like palms the <laughs> yeah. stone guy out of the way Yeah, just
0: sprints past all these creatures um which was sick but uh and i love that final shot man where oh. they're like pushing down in the ground and then it turns out it's like a manhole in the road and they come back up at like street level in, in Paris or whatever. Yeah, it's,
1: fucking, it's like a mind-bending shot Yeah, they're, they're upside down.
0: Very cool. Um, and it
1: solidifies that this movie does not happen in the real world. No. Like it's got something otherworldly going on with it. I
0: They don't address it and they don't really like show anything that would allude to it. But I kind of wondered um, watching it. Because they've just constantly gone down, and then once they've passed that threshold... They're
1: in China? It's <laughs> I've seen Bugs Bunny.
0: Um, once they've passed that threshold, um, everything's mirrored. I wondered, like, when they came out, if it was, like, parallel universe shit, and it's not actually their France. Oh, yeah. But they never kind of go into that.
1: Yeah, I, I imagine those people out there that probably want a sequel to explore that. Mm. I'm not one of those people.
0: No, no. no I, I like it as is, and... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very, very glad we watched it in the end.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I uh, I would absolutely recommend that movie to other people.
0: I suppose one last one uh, I'll go into is uh, The Visit 2015 by my man. Sure, <laughs> fucking M. Night Shyamalan.
1: Produced by Jason Bloom in Bloomhouse. Yeah, yeah. So
0: an interesting <laughs> combo. Um, so he wrote... Uh, well... M. Knight wrote and directed it. And um, it was a budget of $5 million, like As Above, So Below, uh, but made $98.5 million at the box office. So this was kind of his return to form okay. after uh, The Abomination, um, The Last Airbender. <laughs> yeah. And after Earth with um, Will Smith and Will, his son, which yeah. I didn't even really get when I watched that. I haven't even watched it. Um, but yeah, this is, um, this is cool too because it's like, uh, again, like As Above, So Below, it's that very clear, steady camera work as opposed to that kind of grainy handicam. and it's the this young girl, the daughter, um, making a documentary about this this visit with the the grandparents they've never met before. So, um, essentially, the, the film's sort of about this mother who hasn't spoken to her parents for fifteen years because they had a fight, and then um, you know the the grandparents eventually find her online and reach out and say, "Hey, we want to meet our grandkids," and they organise to stay there for a week. Um, so the daughter makes a documentary um with her brother about the experience for her mom and uh you know as the weeks coming to a close they realize it is not in fact their grandparents who they've been staying with are
1: well, you just gonna throw out the spoiler like that it's, it's an the, the it's twist. an m night Shyamalan film they know there's the a plot m. Night twist. Shyamalan
0: twist we've already ruined a creep for them and that's
1: better oh we, we didn't really ruin that no we didn't ruin we it, left it but vague but we, enough yeah
0: it's not, again, it's not really horror. It's another, like, psychological thriller. Mm-hmm. I'd, I I'd say. say
1: this leans may wait
0: more towards horror than creep, though. And I did read that um, M. Night was initially making this, like, almost just a dramedy. Because like, okay. c- there's humorous elements throughout it. Because, yeah. like, the kid, um, who's, like, a germaphobe and, and
1: raps was for M- some reason. What's his name? MC Diamond Stylus or something? <laughs> something like that. <laughs>
0: Um, About them as well Apparently M. Night auditioned uh, Over a thousand American children For the role And ended up just picking Two Australians (laughs) Okay right So uh, apparently we can portray American teens better than uh, Than they can Um, And it was PG In America Because America's usually Harsher with their restrictions Than we are When they classify films But but I think it
1: was M Over here Well thinking back now There's no violence really No No Like there's there's, It's like uh, creep There's distressing elements And a bit of like Nana-ass. Yeah. Quite- <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was... That. I loved that, though. Like You love the Nana-ass? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. I can tell. Because um. no,
0: like, that's, that's the first proper scare, right? Is they're playing hide-and-seek under the house, and all of a sudden the grandma joins yeah. in, which is fucking like, terrifying.
1: Fucking... Cr- like Yeah, I don't even know. What, what would you even call that? Just I don't know. Not crawling. She, she's, like, scampering S- after S- them. Yeah,
0: and, scampering like a beast. And then just, like comes out after catching them and then just like dusts herself off, turns around and walk inside and they dress I'm gonna go is like... go make some cookies. Yeah, torn right up to the arse. I love when you see her naked later in the film um, and the kid like
1: opens the door, shuts it, turns around, he's like, "Becker, I think I'm blind. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely some uh, com- some comedic comedic yeah. elements to this one. Well, even
0: the end scene, like as the credits are rolling, it's just a video of him like freestyling to the camera. Like, I, mm. I think it was put there to lighten the mood, but it's so cringe. I wish they oh, didn't put yeah. that in there. But it does have some really cool, um, creepy uh, moments in this film. Like, they've got that 9.30 p.m. curfew uh, where he's like, you know, you're not to come out of your bedrooms after that time. And he doesn't say why, but then you find out the grandmother has, like, sundowning, so mm-hmm. she just kind of, like, loses it. Just goes crazy um, overnight and just, at one point, is, like, banging on their door with a kitchen knife and... <sighs> Yeah, things like that. And um, the grandfather has, like, incontinence and they show all the soiled diapers, like, in the shed. And then that, you get that gross scene later where, like, shits himself, drops <laughs> his dax, pulls it out. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, you have a problem with germs, don't you? Just
1: slaps it in his face. Like, that's yeah. fucked. Yeah, because the, the kid, the little boy, is, like, frozen in terror. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah, well, it's gnarly. I, As funny, I guess, as that scene is in Gross, I feel like it's unnecessary in the movie because yeah. it doesn't make much sense. It like, just makes it, you squirm. It seems like the kind of scene that's put in there to like have an effect on the audience, mm. not because it makes sense to the story.
0: No, well, I mean, they are delusional people, so...
1: Yeah, I guess. But,
0: yeah, I don't know. In terms I like it. In
1: terms of M. Night Shyamalan movies, this one's all right.
0: Yeah, I like that they show that the grandparents are troubled um, with like mental health issues because there's one point where the grandmother's like laughing, facing a corner in a rocking chair and mm-hmm. Becca goes in and she's like, grandma, what are you laughing at? And she's like, oh, it keeps the, the what did she say? Like the dark scaries away or something. God, yeah, and um, then she just like pulls this scarf up over her face and starts like smothering herself <laughs> until the daughter stops her. And then when she like finds the grandfather in the shed to tell him about it, He's like got his mouth over the end of a shotgun, and he's like, "Oh, oh yeah. I was just cleaning it. <laughs> yeah. I swear, I was just
1: cleaning it." Yeah. It's like
0: those those moments were were pretty tense as well.
1: Yeah, I guess. Another. This is just another one of the movies where it's a real life essentially movie. Like, mm. it's, there's nothing supernatural about it. The creepiness comes from people not being who they say they are. Yeah, because like because like, like these these children think they're the grandparents. So yeah. there's like that inherent level of trust mm. that. These grandparents are here to protect me. They're not going to hurt me. When in reality, they're just fucking random crazy motherfuckers.
0: Trusts are enough to climb inside a oven. Yeah, that's, that was
1: good. <laughs> I like that.
0: But yeah, I mean, classic Shyamalan. It's predominantly family drama with kid characters and a twist. So it's all these key, key elements in his films. But yeah, this one I thought was particularly effective. I'm quite surprised that he opted for a found footage film, to be honest. But um, I think it served, served the film well in this instance.
1: Yeah, I wonder why he picked it.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe because it was there are underlying um, messages about like technology throughout. So maybe it was, I don't know, some sort of social commentary in there
1: that I've missed. <laughs> Just wanted to give it a go.
0: Yeah, <laughs> probably. Maybe because he blew his budget on the previous films, so they didn't trust him with anything more than five million. Oh, true. And exactly. he's like, "What can I do with this much money?" I mean, to be fair, I read that he uh, mortgaged like part of his house for it. So, oh, okay. He um, he was like dead set that this was going to work. But, yeah, that's that's probably the last, like, notable one I wanted to discuss.
1: Okay. And there are a bunch of fucking found footage movies that we haven't mentioned. Mm. Probably just because we haven't seen them. Like, yeah. I know for a fact Wreck is widely uh, regarded as one of the best, but yeah. I just haven't got around to watching it. It's a French film, I think. Oh, I didn't think it was French. I thought it was Spanish. It is, in fact, Spanish, yes. <laughs> um, they I'm, re- I'm thinking of As Above So Below is set in France. Yeah, they, they uh, did an American remake
0: called Quarantine, Quarantine. which... I vaguely remember it and I didn't think it was too bad But I haven't heard anything about it since And I've never seen it since
1: I'm a sucker for I'll, I'll overlook a lot of bad movies Because mm. they have actors I like And yeah. that has Jennifer Carpenter Who's Dexter's sister Oh, uh, okay Dexter. Yeah, um, yeah then, then you got ones like
0: Grave Encounters
1: Grave encounters, yeah, but I'm um, like, then you get the like the weird ones, like the Poughkeepsie tapes mm. and VHS. Yeah, VHS, two, like, I've never seen. Yeah, they're they're also ones that sort of set themselves up to be real life. We found these tapes. Mm. Uh, I think
0: found footage is also commonly adopted in filmmaking these days because of technological advancements. So you've got films now like Unfriended and mm. Searching, where they use things like mobile phones or webcams.
1: Webcams, yeah. Yeah. I don't like that. I haven't seen any of them, so I can't really comment beyond that. Because but... part of the found footage hurdle when they're making a movie is to lay out the start of the story, why they're using a camera and why they're going to keep using it. Mm. Like, if they're using a webcam, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, even... Like, wh- when it's set up to be a documentary is the most common one and because it, it works the best.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because even we adopted um, the found footage style <laughs> for a long <laughs> shortcut, which I think we mentioned in our first episode. One of them, yeah. Was... Um, yeah like a, a short film we made just on my phone in a local cemetery at night and mm-hmm. um that again was like relatively unscripted. We just had like key things we wanted to happen and we were just like freestyling around that. but I think it's just it's the most accessible approach as an emerging filmmaker. Um, as
1: soon as you put a camera on someone, uh, they they change unless they've got any sort of experience behind a camera they become very aware that they're on camera and they can't act natural. Yeah. Like, even myself, I can't act natural in front of a camera.
0: Well, I think another reason that I wanted to explore that was because it's one of the few like film styles that is acceptable to be of low quality yeah. because it's pitched as just being done by a random on their phone or whatever. It's like I mentioned before, this trend seems to come back every eight years or so because going from like the big ones, from like Blair Witch in 99... Paranormal Activity, 2007, or mm-hmm. Cloyfield in 2008. And then, like, 2014, Creep. 2014, 2015. Yeah, Creep As Above, So, so Below in 2014. We're,
1: we're pretty much due for another good we one. We are due for another good one this year. What was the last good found footage movie? Because <sighs> I think one came out last year where there's, like, this teen girl that's trying to, like, find her mum who's gone missing. Well, you know what?
0: We could still make that a... Uh, that zombie film set on Mars, <laughs> market that as a handheld film. Make,
1: yeah, that's a little harder to make because the whole point of us making found footage is easily filmed, low quality. We'll How just, the fuck <laughs> we going to simulate it on Mars? Just we'll head is, out to the fucking outback in the desert?
0: We go to a desert somewhere <laughs> and we have Jaden in it because he's been in all of my films. <laughs> Uh, I don't know I don't know how we do that But yeah I think we're due For another good one Or or Are you of the The argument that They should just let it die That There's been some good examples They're running out of ideas
1: I don't think any Art form Should just die Because mm. The moment it does There's no potential For good ones where yeah. Even if they keep Churning out some shit ones Occasionally One might come out That's good Yeah It's like saying You know There hasn't been any good I don't know Haunting movies recently mm. So may as well Chuck them out
0: well, I'm still keen to watch Talk to Me, which is that, like, Australian seance-looking yeah, film that's
1: coming out. I've only seen the trailer for that once, but for some reason, it pops into my head randomly. I'm like, I really want to watch that movie. Yeah,
0: I'm keen. It could be bad, though. It could be. I but, also it's, want... but it's A24 production, yeah, yeah. so it's probably going to be good. Yeah. I also want to watch The Boogeyman before it um, stops its run at the theaters. I mean, I'm not expecting big things from that, but it's adapted from a Stephen King short, so it's probably alright Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I, that- know, I think we're rambling now, so let's <laughs> let's end it. Yeah, let, let's wrap this up.
1: <laughs> yeah, check us out on Deadhouse Pod, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify. Drop a new episode every Friday, 5 p.m. Yes, sir. Yes, catch you guys next time. We'll be right back.